0: Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech. Thank you all for joining me today on this wonderful Sunday night, the last day of the month of March. I hope you all had a great weekend. I definitely did. And I'm glad I can be here with you guys to talk about some exciting stuff that went on in the week in the uh, biotech world. So today we're going to talk about Biogen. We're going to touch on the Sarepta interim data that came out gonna get through some of the viking news and gonna touch a little bit on amarin because today was a big week for them as well so yeah if you want to help me out please like subscribe or leave me a comment and i would greatly appreciate it and definitely tell a friend if uh, you know somebody that's interested in the sector or anything like that so uh yeah we'll we'll go from there so the first thing i want to touch on was was biogen and uh, their their co-partner here i say i think that's how you say it so we, we learned a couple of weeks ago that Biogen uh, discontinued their two phase 3 aducanumab uh, trials. And aducanumab was an antibody that would reduce the amount of A-beta plaques in the brain. And we know that these antibodies, uh, there's been multiple of them, are able to reduce plaque in the brain. Um, but they're not actually able to reduce the um, progress- progression of Alzheimer's disease. So it's, it's been a problem. Um, that, that these two things don't coincide together, and it's really made a lot of people question the amyloid hypothesis that's associated with uh, Alzheimer's disease. So potentially it's something else other than amyloid plaques that are, that are causing the disease. Um, so the, the two companies here have been involved in a number of trials, and they're currently involved in a number of Alzheimer's trials. And uh, Biogen's partner company here, uh, I say, uh, they were recommended to continue their phase three for this L-n-b-s-a-stat, uh inhibitor, or their compound here that is a um, base inhibitor. And base is involved in actually the production of amyloid beta plaques. So the theory being, if amyloid is the cause of Alzheimer's disease, reducing the production of all of amyloid in the brain might potentially help Alzheimer's disease. So. Isa is continuing with this phase 3 trial, and they also just announced that they're going to initiate a phase 3 trial of band 2401 in early Alzheimer's. So if the amyloid hypothesis is not true, uh, there's a there's a high probability that these two studies are going to fail. And so that's more nails in the coffin for, well, Biogen, but more so I say here, which is a Japanese company. So the the interesting thing so in my opinion these are both going all of these trials are going to fail uh and this is going to be you know another another setback for for both companies but biogen does seem to distance themselves a little bit from i say uh the press releases of both of these things were only on the i website and not on biogen's website even though biogen does list i say as a partner for these two uh compounds so it's kind of interesting moving forward how, how it's going to play out, and Biogen does need to figure out where they're going to go from here. They still have a lot of cash. Uh, I, I put their net cash here, just the the net assets, the net current assets minus the net current liabilities, just to get an idea. And they still have tons of cash. Um, and I say does have some cash here, but you know if we expect that a phase three Alzheimer's trial might cost in the area of like one billion dollars, uh, two or three of these can can quickly add up and, and reduce the amount of capital they have towards acquiring other assets and getting into another area. So it's something to watch. Uh, I'm definitely not buying Biogen at these levels, definitely not buying say. Uh, so they're, they're over-the-counter traded, um, so I don't have an opportunity to short them, but I think they would be a great short um, as we get closer to the end of, of the trial, at least the phase three here, uh, in the base inhibitor, and as well as band 2401 So, yeah, I I thought I would touch on this, and this article by John Carroll was great, and you guys should all read it if you want more info on on that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, interesting stuff. I hope Biogen can pivot and can figure out some sort of area so they can stick stick around, Um, but Alzheimer's just continues to be tough. Okay, let's talk about Sarepta. So, uh, Sarepta announced some interim data that came out on their ESSENCE trial, which is a trial for Casimirson uh, as well as uh, Golo Dirson, and it's it's a phase three um, with these two exon skipping technologies to help with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So the tech itself, I the just generally, it's a PMO type compound that binds to an exon and allows the translation of the mRNA so that you can get some sort of functional protein where otherwise you would have no protein at all. So. <clears throat> it's better than nothing, and these patients actually, uh, at least with ediplearsin, are able to to get much better quality of life. Um, so it's a it's an interesting idea and it has worked in the past, even though there's some controversy controversy over the approval of that drug. So they're doing this phase three and they look at two different things basically, which is the amount of protein that's expressed and the functional outcomes from it. So what what was announced uh, in their press release to further Casimircin is they got uh, dystrophin protein which is the protein that you would expect would be expressed if it was working and the way they they account this is a percent normal distro- percent of normal dystrophin as measured by western blot and western blot you know you do a protein lysate run it on a gel transfer that protein to a membrane and then um Incubate it with an antibody against whatever your protein of interest is, and in this case, it would be uh, dystrophin. So, and how they measure this is through densitometry technique. So, you're really just measuring pixels on this membrane, and uh, you know you can you can quantify that. But given there's so many variables involved, like the amount of loading protein, and it's all relative. So, the way they're quantifying it here is. Uh, it's relative to the normal amount of expression you would get in a healthy individual, and uh, so they measured this at baseline and then they measured it after their treatment. And so the the kids at baseline have zero point nine percent percent of normal expression of dystrophin, and then after the treatment, this increased to one point seven three six percent of normal. So 100% would be normal expression, like me or you, if you don't have uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So there's still very, very low amount of protein here. But you know, for a functional outcome, we might not need 100% of dystrophin expression in order to be functional, or at least get most of our function back. So this is uh, very reminiscent of the Sangamo story that we had with the uh, MPS2, uh, I guess even 1. It's the same kind of story where, you know, you don't need a lot of enzyme necessarily to get functional improvements in the condition. And it's a similar thing here because uh, for the other treatment, oedip we got very variable um, increases in expression of dystrophin, and then the drug was approved, and it's it's doing pretty well as far as I know. So... uh, if we look here, they, they also say they got positive RT-PCR for exon-skipping uh, mRNA in all patients, so they're saying it's effective in all patients, but we're only seeing this two-fold increase in the expression of the gene. So is this enough to actually get a functional improvement um, in muscle? So they, they say in the press release that they're going to try to submit Casimersin uh, NDA in the middle of 2019, so they're going to have an FDA a meeting with the FDA before submitting that, and uh, there we can see what the opinion is. I, I personally think without functional data, it's hard to just go ahead and approve this, even though you know that your previous treatments that are basically the same, just a different exon, uh, even, you know, even though you know that works, it's still, uh, without seeing functional data here, it's tough for me to get behind this entirely. Um, it's good that they're seeing an increase in, in protein expression, but... Without the functional data, it's tough to say that, you know, it's tough to approve a treatment and say, hey, you know, patients take this and you're going to do well, when really it could be insignificant. So, you know, I'm still long on Sarepta. I do have a decent position in them, and I think long-term they're they're a great company. So right now this could be a buy, and they might be able to show functional data uh, in these patients, so it might just be a minor setback. Uh, so this doesn't deter me at all from from holding on to my position, but I'm kind of I'm being careful because... Uh, if they are going to have to delay this, um, it could cut into their revenue stream. So we could see some downside further in Sarepta, but I would really just use it as a buying opportunity. So um, so I, I looked also to compare it to the other treatments that they have, at Learson and Golodirson. And uh, this article, if you want to look at more details on the oedip Learson trials, um, because it's interesting how this all came about, and basically, Learson they, they weren't able to get a reliable baseline reading, and the expression was only ended up being about 1% uh, percent of normal dystrophin levels. So also very, very low, and it was still able to get FDA approval. Golodearsin, on the other hand, at uh, 48 weeks, they saw 1% expression after treatment um, compared to 0.1% expression at baseline. So that's a huge increase in the amount of... Uh, dystrophin in these patients, so I I could see the FDA being much more willing to approve this, and I think uh, I'd have to look again to see what's going on, because I know that they're doing this uh, essence trial does involve Golodeerstin as well. So, But Golodeerstin I would be less concerned with, given the huge increase in in expression here. But again, this 0.1% at baseline, how reliable is that? How variable is that? So it, it's a little bit tough here and it's going to be up to the discretion of the FDA really even though it's up to Sarepta to really argue that this mild or mild it's still 100% more protein expression so that could be enough to lead to some uh, functional improvements it's going to be up to Sarepta to show that and i think it would be good that they did but you know it, it all it's all up to the FDA so we'll see from there but um, it's a, it's good to see that they are getting increases in protein and hopefully that translates to uh, functional improvements. But I'm still long on Serepta. This data doesn't worry me long term for the company. All right, let's keep going. So, uh, Viking Therapeutics. Uh, Viking is involved in the Na- in the Nash space. I should really not say that until they actually start a Nash trial. They they have a tr- they did a trial in non alcoholic fatty liver disease, and that's re- it. Reminds people that. You know, it could work in, in something like Nash, and that's that's what everybody's expecting because the Nash market is so big. So, uh, they've been hammered. Viking is like one of the highest short float percent short float companies um, that are under like a five billion dollar market cap, and uh, you know they were dancing around like seven dollars for for a bit and around eight, and then Friday they they closed. They were up above ten, and then they closed just below ten um after they they got an upgrade from uh Pasha Seraf's uh, upgrade to $21 a share and he works at Leerink and it was based on this abstract that came out for for their presentation at the uh at Esol and really the 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 data that we get at Esol it's not really I was kind of surprised that this is what led to Pasha Seraf's upgrade Um, Because, you know, the the amount of, okay, let me let me be careful how I phrase this. But basically, they did a five milligram dose and a 10 milligram dose in in patients at different um, dosing intervals. And they got drastic improvements in fatty liver based on this MRI technique. And they saw basically no severe adverse events. So for me, whether it's 10 milligrams or 5 milligrams, I don't know why this is what really broke his back in, in actually making this call and upgrading it. Somebody can, can let me know if I'm missing something here, but the, what I'm seeing on Twitter and everywhere else is that because the 5 milligram dose is just as good as the 10 milligram dose, this means that they're going to have substantially less side effects with the drug. But as far as I know, there's not really many side effects associated with the drug other than you know reducing cholesterol and uh, improving diabetes as well. So uh, I don't know, but it's good that the market is finally realizing the, the value behind Viking because um, they're still their market cap is still very low comparatively to, say, Madrigal, which is, is further ahead in their NASH approval. Uh, they, they've just started their phase three in NASH, and their market cap's just under $2 billion. Um, Viking's going to do a biopsy-confirmed NASH trial uh, starting it in the second half of this year, and their market caps much lower, so you know I think uh, Viking is still undervalued where it is right now. I haven't sold any of my shares, and I think my average is just over ten because I bought you know multiple rounds after their uh, their phase two a trial data came out. So my average was pretty high, but once we got low around seven and eight, I started loading a lot more up there. So uh, for comparison, Intercept is valued at two point or three point three two billion right now, and uh, they're the ones that just came out with the Phase 3 data for their NASH drug, uh, OCA, Okaleva. and it's got its own set of issues, and that's pretty much why I think Madrigal is valued as high as it is. But uh, Intercept is likely to be the first um, approved NASH drug if the FDA doesn't see any issues, but we're going to see more data at ESL from Intercept. And I do think that Madrigal and Viking are going to be the pretty much the best-in-class for NASH uh, when they eventually show good data in Phase 3 or uh, Phase 2B in the case of Viking. So something else that happened this week was the was Genfit uh, was launched their IPO on the NASDAQ they're a French company and they were traded publicly there but um, they have a, a PPAR I think it's Alpha Delta agonist um, in NASH and they're in Phase 3 too so we, we're gonna expect some data later in the year for them as well so there's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, but I I didn't take a look at their their material recently, but their, their drug didn't seem super interesting to me, and uh, I don't exactly remember why. I'm, I'll look into it more the closer we get to Q4, but they weren't really on my radar to begin with. But they are going to announce some data at the end of the year, so uh, we'll see. Okay, jumbled through that, but the uh, the ESL stuff that we should look forward to personally, I'm really interested in the Intercept abstract. It's under embargo until April 11th, but uh, we're going to see some interesting safety data there, I think, and it will be a mover for the stock. Canadis um, is going to present, Genfit's going to present for PBC, Viking, of course, their their abstract is public, but we're going to see their posters. They might have some figures. Uh, Sirius Therapeutics, never heard of this company. Their abstracts under embargo. Uh, you know, it might be worth looking at. Where are we today? Yeah, so a couple weeks. I might take a look and see if there's anything interesting there, but, um, they're in phase 2B for Nash, so if it's, uh, if it's interesting, you know, this stock could definitely be competitive with, uh, with Viking and Magical, but I know absolutely nothing about them, so I would do my own research, personally. And then, uh, we have Merck with their, uh, with their, uh, collaborator here doing, um, showing a phase one but this, this abstract is public too so you can look at that so this is just for information on what's going to come out in the next uh, couple weeks with Nash so it's uh, pretty cool okay so moving on, uh, last company I want to talk about today is Ameren so Ameren had a big week again and you know I said that this podcast isn't going to be just an Ameren podcast but they keep having good uh, stuff coming out and positive stuff so um, I got to talk about it so I told you guys that I sold a, an 18.50 put uh, like a week ago and the stock went below 17 for a while. So, you know, I, I was sweating a little bit even though I knew that long-term it was probably gonna work out even if I did get assigned the shares. So I wasn't super worried. And we ended up finishing I think uh, just under 21 on Friday after all this crazy good news came out. So the first piece of news was that the American Diabetes Association uh, recommended that Visipa for diabetes and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease was a good idea for patients that were on statins with high triglyceride levels. So, uh, you know, people who follow the ADA, there's a lot of clinicians there. So this is really free marketing for Amarin and Vasipa, And uh, it's just going to get the word out there and get doctors on board with um, prescribing Vasipa. And, you know, we should see some off-label prescription coming up as we get through it. Um, as we get to the actual approval date, but uh, you know, after the ADA does their recommendation, EASD, which is the European Association for the Study of Diabetes could, could follow as well as the Canadian Diabetes Association. So this is really just huge, like very, very positive uh, marketing for Ameren and Visipa and shows that um, they're standing behind them even though there's this potential controversy with, with some of the data that I think is really just a joke at this point. So the other thing that we found out is that Health Canada is offering priority review for, for Visipa, and uh, it really just cuts down on the number of days they're going to take to to look at it. So 215 versus 355. Canada's not like a giant market. They're like one-tenth the size of, of the U.S., so I wouldn't look at this as like, you know, we're not going to see a significant um, contribution to the scripts from Canada uh, compared to Europe or the U.S., but it's, it's nice that they're uh, standing behind it as well, and also... Um, making it clear that this is important for uh, patients. So it's good, it will contribute, um, and I think it's also just good marketing that shows that these agencies do see the value in, in Visipa. So something else that came out too, and I don't really know the history of, of this decision, but the EMA, um, European Medicines Agency in Europe, uh, confirmed that omega-3 fatty acid medicines are not effective uh, at like uh, I think it was one gram per day, and I think it was the combination. So you can't just put a bunch of omega-3 fatty acids together and take that and hope to get any improvement in, in uh, heart problems after a heart attack. So it's really, this is kind of like solidifying Visipa as the king of them all, pretty much. And I don't know why they looked into this, if it was some sort of inquiry or something like that, but uh, it was interesting to read to go through uh, what they what they were talking about with it. So this is, again, another like boost to, to Amarin and Visipa as being the, uh, the leader amongst all the other um, omega-3 products that exist. And then the last thing is that uh, the total year-over-year um, prescriptions are hit 40,000 per week. So uh, this is also pretty huge. And maybe I have a mistake here, I just noticed this, that it is year-over-year. Um, and I thought that this was year-over-year year total. Okay, so, uh, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Um, if it's total prescriptions, though, you know, 40000 per week is, is not really going to hit their $2.69 million um, for the revenue estimate of $350 million uh, for the year of for 2019. But... Uh, I'll have to look into that and double check because now that I now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm I'm a little bit cautious. But, uh, you know, we want them to hit above around fifty thousand prescriptions per week in order for them to hit that three hundred fifty um, million dollar revenue, which is what they estimated. So so we'll see, and you know, the revenue continues to increase if they or not the revenue, the prescriptions continue to increase, and. Um, you can see this here in the, the new prescriptions year over year. And if this does continue to increase, we'll, we'll be well above 50000 per week as we get through Q2 and Q3. And, uh, and that's going to you know, increase the revenue. And it might even go bo- over the $350 million that they predicted. So, so we'll see. But huge week for Ameren. Uh, I don't think it's going to go. If, you know, the stock is volatile. There's no question about that. And uh, there was really a sell the news event last week that occurred. So, you know, we could still see some volatility, but I feel comfortable holding Ameren for quite a while. And uh, at least until we start to see some of the revenue in, uh, in 2020. But I think all of this good news is going to continue to roll through, and uh, Ameren's going to be a great, a great buy. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, what I got. So, for this week, the AACR is going on. So, you know, look out for a lot of cancer updates. Um, in the field. Uh, so I'm going to keep an eye out on that. I'm, I'm trying to get more, uh, more comfortable with cancer studies and the, the drugs that are involved. So I'm going to keep an eye out on, on some of those uh, interesting studies. In terms of politics, we, we got the Mueller report finally. So I think the, uh, the, the trade battle with China, you know, maybe the US will win and China will back down now that they know that Trump isn't going to get ousted from office. And, you know, I, I don't really want to talk politics on this podcast, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, the, the report that we got secures Trump's uh, position, at least until the election. So with that, you know, we got some headlines about China being, um, being willing to negotiate in terms of IP, I think it was. So uh, we could see some resolution of the trade battle, which would, uh, you know, bring in a lot of money into the equities. This week, we're going to see retail sales, non-farm payrolls, as well as the unemployment rate. And uh, I go to investing.com for uh, for a lot of this stuff, and I think it's a great resource. So if you guys are, are interested in like branching out into that kind of thing, definitely use use investing.com because uh, I think they're great, and they, they work really well with that. I'm not paid by them, but I do subscribe to their thing, and I think uh, it, uh, it's been pretty useful for me. So other than that, you know, when I get free time, I'm gonna start looking at uh, at some companies, and I've talked about CRISPR and Allergan before, and uh, Maker or Marker Therapeutics is another one that I want to uh, take a look at when I get some free time. I think they might have some some interesting stuff, and it was recommended to me by by a listener. So, yeah. So with that, I'm gonna show my portfolio. So the moves I made this week, I don't know if I tweeted about this, but uh, Catalyst Bio was under eight. Uh, this week at some point so i bought 50 of them and and lowered my cost basis um other than that though i didn't do really much so and uh, this doesn't take into account the put i sold on amarin but it's uh pretty out of the money so i'm probably gonna you know i might close it out when we get close to like 80 percent which is only it's like 150 bucks so it's uh i'll just add it to my my cash position once i sell but or unless i gotta sign the shares but uh you know i'm looking to just i'm gonna increase the cash because you know that's a safest bet. I don't want to have to deal with with uh, with anything else. So yeah, I guess really my worst holding right now is Amune. Uh, they saw positive data from their phase three, their latest phase three, but the stock is still uh, a bit lower than than what I bought it at. But I still like them long term. Asperion uh, continues to stick around forty. I think they're they're undervalued here, and I might add, um, yeah. So other than that, uh, yeah, we're overall we're we're almost in line with SP S and P 500. I think I'm at 11% for the year, and uh, Q1's done, so 11% for Q1. So we'll see how Q2 works out. Volatility was uh, was down this week quite a bit, so you know we'll see what it brings us this week. But I'm uh, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up there, guys. So thank you all so much for listening, and uh, please like, subscribe, leave me a comment. And yeah, we'll see you next time.